With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Tuesday's episode of Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new show seven days a week right throughout the top flight season. On today's podcast, we'll be talking last night's Premier League action as Liverpool got back to winning ways with a 1-0 victory at Molyneux, a much-needed win for the Reds. But it was a game sadly overshadowed by a nasty injury to Wolves keeper Rui Patricio. But was the injury preventable? We'll discuss that on the show, as well as Manchester City's last 16 second leg tie in the Champions League tonight against Bundesliga club Borussia Mönchengladbach. City lead 2-0 on aggregate, surely they're through already to the quarterfinals, but all the talk pre-match has been about Pep and Sterling having a little bust-up. We'll discuss what the England forward has to say about those rumours a little Hello bit guys, later how we doing? too. I'm Niall McCorn and with me today we've got Matt Cunningham. Hello Matt. Hello mate. And Marley Anderson, how are you doing? Yeah, very, very well. Right, time to talk last night's Premier League action. Just the one game uh, on Monday Night Football yesterday. It took place at Molyneux, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Liverpool. And the score finished 1-0 to the current reigning champions. But I don't think they'll be champions for too much longer. Still, a much-needed victory. Diogo Jota with the goal, the former Wolverhampton Wanderers player, uh, just before half-time. A really crucial time to score in any match. Um, but a great victory for Liverpool. We'll come on to the actual context of the game in a little bit but sadly for me this game was overshadowed towards the end by the nasty head injury sustained by Wolves keeper Rui Patricio. Salah was played in, Patricio comes sliding out and actually collides with Connor Cody's knee. He was down unconscious the Wolves keeper, he needed oxygen, he was strapped to a backboard and stretched off. It was a, a very sad scene. The whole event took around 10 to 15 minutes and there was plenty of extra time at the end of the game. In fact, Wolves had already made all three subs, but John Ruddy was allowed to come on as a substitute goalkeeper due to the new concussion protocols that have been introduced into the Premier League. It was a completely accidental incident. However, Mo Salah, when he bore down on goal, was offside. Under the current rules, 
assistant referees are told to keep their flags down just in case they're wrong about the offside call and technology can then step in and try and overturn things. So you can't really blame the officials there. They're just doing what they're told. But in this case, Marley, I think personally, serious injury could have been avoided to Rui Patricio if those rules weren't in place. And I know it's all ifs and buts and hindsight is a wonderful thing. But do you think that there is a case for this, that maybe this incident could have been avoided had the rules been slightly different? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think under the old laws, when you know we were living in the dark ages and didn't have technology to, to go uh, <laughs> to go with every decision, um, I think if that situation plays out, Salah still goes on and scores because it's still quite a, a quick decision in terms of you know when, when he's going through on goal. Um, he still goes on and scores, but Cody and Patricio don't defend it the same. Um, Patricio still might slide out at his feet, but Cody certainly wouldn't be, you know, desperately trying to close the ground um, like he was, and that ultimately led to the collision because Cody's desperately trying to stop um, Salah from shooting, um, and then obviously he doesn't quite see Patricio coming, and as soon as he does, it's too late, and he's he's. You know, inadvertently need him in the head and knocked him clean out. So, um, mm. I think it just takes away the urgency. If the flag goes straight up and you're looking, you know, you everyone knows it's offside. Even if play continues, it doesn't continue at the same tempo and the same pace and the same sort of frantic, franticness, if that's a word. Um, mm. So yeah, um, I think it could have been avoided, but. You know, with the rules as they are, there's going to be loopholes where things happen, and but certainly this is 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 an interesting one because I think people have been, it's one of them things people have been mentioning. What if this happens um, for a few a few months, maybe a few weeks? I've certainly seen it before where somebody says, "How long do we play on?" Because somebody could get injured in that play, and then they re- they face no retrospective action because it wasn't a foul in in the game, and also if they do themselves a, a bad injury. Then you lose them for you know six months, nine months, a year, whatever it is, um, and then we, we've seen it happening. Yeah, I mean, we're saying we saw it with Van Dyke and Pickford in the Everton yeah. versus Liverpool game, in which the the VAR, you know, could have been used and retrospective action could have been taken. In the end, Pickford, I don't think, was even banned for the challenge, which left Liverpool fans absolutely incensed and up in arms. I think it's important that we do say that we wish Rui Patricio all the best um, in his recovery. It was said after the game by the manager and by several people, um, including the Wolves club doctor, that he is okay and he is conscious and he remembers the incident and everything that took place. What's your take on the situation then, Matt? Because I think Marley's right. This is an accident. You know, there was no intention there. It was one player clashing uh, with a teammate. You know, the knee of Cody making contact with Patricio's head, unfortunately. I suppose, like I say, hindsight's a great thing. You can look back and say, ah, well, these rules of keeping the flag down probably haven't done Patricio many favours there. But in all fairness, it it was an accident and accidents are still going to happen, whether the rules are to keep your flag down or put your flag up straight away. I guess there's a case for that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I think the opposite way, I think if the flag goes up, let's say the flag goes up, which I mean, really, I don't know how the the linesman sees it in real time because it was it was marginal. It was such a close offside anyway. I'm not sure how he sees it in real time. So if he does, I think he's taking going out on a limb and maybe getting it wrong. And so they play on. He may still get injured. He may not. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing for him to get injured. And thankfully, mm. he's, he's okay. And it's one of those where you're watching it. And as each minute goes by, you're thinking, oh, God, come on. You know, this gets to 10 minutes and you start worried, seriously worrying or whatever. But 
I just think the, the, the flag staying down for me has benefited the game. I know I've heard a lot of people say otherwise, but you're getting the decisions right. The game is being played right and you can't keep marginalising the game to prevent injury because injury is a risk that you take when you play football. And mm. I know it's easy to say from my couch in my front room as a, as, a, as a guest on this show and not as a footballer going out there putting his body on the line, but it's just something you have to do. That's The, the decision in the end was right and it was correct and it's unfortunate that he was um, offside and that what happened happened and you can look back and say, well, if the flag had gone up, he never gets injured and this and the other, but... You can say that for so many things in football. There's so many instances where you could say, well, if this didn't happen and this didn't happen, then he yeah. might not have got injured and he might not have got hurt. But it's just—it's one. unfortunately, it's one of the risks of the game, as there is with every single sport, more or less. There's a, there's a, there's a risk involved uh, in playing that sport. I think by the flag staying down, as, as with VAR coming in and so on and so forth, go on technology, we're getting more decisions correct. At least the game is being mm -hmm. played and, and the, the end result is coming out um, correct. So... I, I really, I do feel massively for Patricio. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed that he's okay. And I felt for Wolves as well because that's two horrible injuries they've had in one season, which yeah. is, is a killer for their season as well. Uh, mm. But I thought in the grand scheme of things, keeping the flag down in that instance, I mean, it, it's the rules, so it's the right thing to do anyway for the linesman. But mm. I don't think it was a case to say, okay, we need to scrap this one because someone's got hurt. Because it, I think it was an inevitability from the get-go is that play's going to go on in, in all that extra play of keeping the flag down after the, after the offside. Eventually, someone may get an injury. But it's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the exception to the rule. I think it's interesting that Nuno Espirito Santo used to be a goalkeeper. So if anyone understands the risks that you put yourself in and the situations you put yourself in for your team as a goalkeeper, I mean, I think sometimes it's understated as a position. You know, often you kind of stood there for sometimes an hour, maybe even 90 minutes with not a lot to do. Um, and then you've got to be alert to be called into action. But what people do forget is that goalkeepers are throwing their heads uh, and necks down into the area where boots are flying and knees are flying and you know, it is a dangerous job to do um, and it is a brave thing to do. Um, so thankfully he's OK. We'll come on to what the manager said after the game in a second. But seeing as you just touched upon it, Matt, it has been a season of bad luck for Wolves in terms of bad injuries. That's two key players now lost to serious head injuries in the same season, Marley. The Jimenez injury really seemed to rock Wolves at the time and they didn't really recover from that in terms of form, in terms of, in terms of morale. What do you think the spirit will be like in that Wolves dressing room now after seeing another one of their players pick up what could be a potentially season-ending injury? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just it's one thing after another, isn't it? They've, they've almost sort of... It's only in the last couple of weeks that, that Jimenez has sort of been confirmed as definitely coming back, you know, with his he's just returned to light training and they're talking about what type of headgear he's gonna wear, um, and getting that certified by the Premier League that he can wear, um, while playing to protect him a little bit more. And then this happens and it's like, oh, you know, they can't catch a break right now, so um it'll probably just uh, deflate them slightly um again, but I think the fact that they know it's not quite as bad as Raul Jimenez's, um, you know, fractured skull. Um, it's basically just a, a bad knockout, basically. So um, it shouldn't be that long. I, I wouldn't think it might be a couple of weeks, but he should still play towards the end of the season. I think the fear over Jimenez really affected the team because nobody... Well, first and foremost, when he went down, nobody knows whether he'd, he would live because it, it was that bad. Like, it, he could have he could have died on the pitch. Like, it was that that horrific the injury um so i think that in the short term and then the long term of whether he was ever going to play again i think that would have um mm. would have affected them mentally as well as the physical loss of him on the pitch you know with he's, he's 
comfortably um, Wolves' best player, Jimenez. So you were probably looking at that that little mix um, really affecting Wolves, and that probably affected them up until recently, where they've shown a bit of um, a, a bit more of what they're about, and then this happens, and you know I don't think it's it's quite as big as. Um, Jimenez's impact because Ruddy's Ruddy's still a good goalkeeper. Like he, I think he was Wolves' player of the year mm. in the championship um, when they came up, and he um, he ended up getting dropped because of the the, the fact that Rui Patricio was available and um, you know wanted to come to England and the the whole mini Portugal they've got going on down there in Wolves was was nice for him. But he's um, he's still a good <laughs> good goalkeeper and he should slot in quite quite well for the last sort of nine or ten games. So I think um, it'll affect them in terms of is a loss because he's a big part of the team but in terms of you know mm. personnel I think they, they should be alright and they've they've dealt with worthy seasons so they're kind of well placed to deal with it again I did see a funny tweet yesterday that made me laugh quite a lot <laughs> it was John Ruddy has the most bold football career I've ever seen <laughs> Cambridge, Everton Walsall, Rushton and Diamonds, Chester Stockport, Wrexham, Bristol City Stockport again, Crew, Motherwell, Norwich and Wolves <laughs> if that doesn't scream bald football player then I don't know what does um, <laughs> in terms of him being introduced Matt, obviously it was to do with the concussion protocol that Nuno Espirito Santo was able to bring him on as a replacement for Rui Patricio. Wolves had already made all three subs at that point of the game, but because of these new concussion rules, he was able to make the change. Do you think that last night was another eye-opener on those concussion rules and why it was right to bring them in? It's taken football a long time to bring in and pass these new rules about head injuries and concussions. As you've already touched upon, Matt, it doesn't happen often that a player gets this sort of injury. But when it does happen, it needs to be dealt with correctly. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is one where, I, in a way, I almost disagree with the Premier League in that, as you just said yourself, it took way too long for this, for this rule to come in because, I mean, you've only got to watch that Will Smith film that came out. And I mean, it's a fictitious film, but it, I, I assume it's grounded in scientific fact to know how dangerous concussions are for, mm. f- for the human brain. And it can happen. Football is not a sport like rugby or, or, for instance, American football, where they've had strict concussion rules in for years and years because they're often going in head first and it happens a lot. It isn't a sport like that because mm. by nature you use your feet, but it can ha- it can still happen as we saw last night. And can you imagine if Wolves had to be punished for their for the injury that they suffered or adversely it was suggested that he had, that he should play on? You know, neither of those things are possible. You can't say, oh, you've got an injury, so now you have to play with 10 men. So the rule, the rule is a good rule. It's going to massively help the game for when things like this do happen. It's it's only fair. I mean, it's it's actually now that the rule is in, it feels hard to believe that there's a, there was a time in in Premier League football where Wolves would have actually been punished for that injury because the off it, he, Salah was offside in the first place. As I was just saying, you know, technically, if the rule, if the if the game was played in a, in an extremely clinical way and play immediately stopped when he was offside, he never gets injured. But then to be punished for that injury as well and have to play on with 10 men would have been unbelievable. And then you would have had a severe uproar in, 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 the, in the change of the rules and the way it's panned out in that instance. So the new rule, the concussion rule of substitution, is a good one. It's, it's massively helpful. It keeps the players safer because con- concussion, I mean, it takes two or three minutes on Google to figure out how, how damaging concussions can be to, mm. to, to, the, to the human brain. So it took yeah. them a while to get it in, but it's in and it's a, it is a good rule. And, and we, we saw the best of it last night. I absolutely agree. And you just need to look at the likes of 
legendary players of the game in English football, like Sir Bobby Charlton, who's recently uh, come out and um, admitted that he's got dementia. And obviously football has changed and the technology and the, equi- and the equipment has improved from back in Bobby Charlton's heyday where, you know, the footballs were stitched with leather and they were very heavy when they got wet and, you know, they can be damaging to you uh, heading a football. But even so, now with this modern technology, former pro players, they're three and a half times more likely to die of dementia than people of the same age range in the general population. That's according to some recent research uh, from a couple of years ago, which is just absolutely remarkable, really. So I'm with you and, you know, I'm also with you when you say that it should have been brought in a lot sooner because if you look back to some sports that aren't even sports, you used the word, you know, fictitious just a moment ago. Um, WWE wrestling is fictitious and yet they've got concussion protocols and they've put... Um, rules in place to protect their performers and athletes, so to speak. So if it's taken something like an entertainment business like wrestling, um, less time and a long, a lot less time as well to implement rules um, to help combat brain injury, then why has it taken the most popular sport in the world so long? It is um, certainly eye-opening, but I'm glad we finally got there. And uh, last night was a, a good show as to why the concussion rules definitely work. We've mentioned Jimenez Marley. You've also talked about his headgear and what he might be wearing when he comes back to the Premier League if he plays between now and the end of the season, which does begin to look increasingly more likely. There's no guarantee he's going to come back the same player, which is sad because he was a very good striker before and and one of Wolves, if not Wolves, best players. On that front then, because there are no guarantees that he's going to come back the same as he was with the same fire in his belly and the same fight and desire and all the rest of it, it's definitely a life-changing injury. Do Wolves need to think about signing a new striker in the summer, just in case? Because we saw Fabio Silva last night. We've spoken about him on the show before. 18 years of age, big price tag, still lots to learn. Had a header, um, which he probably should have done better with towards the end, which came off his shoulder when he, you know, you're expecting a top striker to kind of bury that from with, that range. He could have done with heading it, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Off his shoulder and <laughs> yeah. shutting his eyes and getting scared of it. A hundred percent. So kind of with those two things in mind, the youthfulness and inexperience of Fabio Silva and the the lack of guarantee that Jimenez is going to come back firing on all cylinders. Do you think Wolves do need to look for a new forward in the summer? Um, I think you've got to give Jimenez time. Um, I think the one thing about Jimenez is he's, 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 I think he's 29, isn't he? 29, 30. Um, so you're probably looking mm. for a longer term replacement anyway. Um, and I think, to be fair, that's probably what, what they've thought they've done with going, going and getting Fabio Silva. And they're probably thinking if he matures... You can uh, you can have him for at least four or five years and sell him on for a huge fee, or if no one comes in, you've hopefully got a, a decent player there. But it hasn't quite worked out for him yet. But I think it's probably important not to give up on him because then you're giving up on forty million quid, and then you it affects you in the future as as in terms of like you know we not spending that much money again because it didn't work out for you last time. If you look at um, there's clubs that have done it in the past, um, spend loads of money, it didn't work, and then they've had to financially recover from the, the bad investments for the, for the last few years, um, for the next few years even. So it's probably one of them where they already think they've got the replacement. Um, I think, is Willian Jose on loan still from 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 Real mm. Sociedad? I think he's on loan. So I think he's, he's kind of the same yeah. as well um, in terms of he's going to, he's, he's not in the, he's not the best um, age to go and sign him permanently and then expect something from him um, so th- there is there's a question to be to be answered I suppose because 
there is, as you said, there is no guarantees that he's going to come back the best um, version of Jimenez we've ever seen. But also the, the the things he's done for the club certainly deserve him that chance to prove himself again um, and to to show that this is like just hasn't affected him massively. The, I think the biggest thing is probably when the ball comes towards his head for the first time. Like does he does he head it um, and things like that because you know. In his in his head, he's probably thinking, "I'd rather not head the ball." But also, when you get in that competitive environment, is the type of guy who will put his body on the line for you, and that's what he did, trying to head the ball away from from a corner um, in the Arsenal game. And that's what got him into this this mess um, in the first place. So you know, he's um, he's probably going to go for it again. He'll probably try and be the same player as he ever was, and I think he deserves the chance to to do that because you know to replace a striker as good as Jimenez is going to cost you a lot of money and when you spent 40 million quid on Fabio Silva already the coffers can't exactly be brimmed with you know with with money to just go and spend on trying new strikers yeah 100% I think that it is a tricky one for Wolves to try and crack in the summer hopefully we see Jimenez back sooner rather than later um, and able to get back up to full speed it's never nice to see someone affected by an injury so seriously and on that front we wish Rui Patricio all the best as well in his recovery a speedy recovery for him but it will be John Ruddy between the sticks uh, for a while now for Wolves you'd imagine let's leave Wolves to one side because they did lose the game uh, unfortunately it was the Patricio incident that kind of overshadowed proceedings but Liverpool they picked up a much needed three points on the night on the balance of play I think they probably did deserve it. It was a narrow win, as have a lot of the games been with Liverpool lately. They lost 1-0 to Fulham, they lost 1-0 to Chelsea, but nonetheless, they were on the right side of the result this time around, Matt. Do you think it's a case of, of stopping the rot? Because the more games that they played, it felt like the more vulnerable they got. Maybe. Maybe. I think, in my opinion, I watched Liverpool this season and they're just... They're, I think they're done. I honestly think they're done for the season. It sounds drastic and the hopeful Liverpool fans that listen will probably say, oh, he's a, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But to me, I watched them. Last season, I watched Liverpool, and specifically at Anfield, you would watch them. And I, I would, I would, I'd watch the game, I'd say, I don't know how whoever they were playing was supposed to win that game because they were they were perfect everything. They would press, they would win the ball back fast when they have it, they make chances. They, they, they had every aspect of the game to, to almost perfection. And that was a credit to the team and how hard they worked. But and I don't know what's going on this season. People say it's down to Van Dijk. I don't personally think it's all down to Van Dijk. Obviously, it does make a big difference when the best centre-back, probably in world football, misses the whole season. It does make a big difference. But it, it, the whole aspect of the game has changed. Wolves had chances last night. Towards the, towards the end, I honestly thought Wolves were going to equalise. And given that, their recent home form as well has been as bad as it has ever been in the history of the club. I think something is going on this season. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just tired. Maybe it's just, you know, humans get tired. That That can happen. But to me, I think Liverpool for this season, I don't, I don't think there's, there's, there's anything great going to spark to life for Liverpool in, in the remaining stages of this season, which they're mm. probably hoping for. Having said that, as you said, a good three points in their away form is actually picking up. They, I don't know, mm. I don't have any specific stats for it, but to my recent memory, they've won a fair few away games. Every time I see them play away from home, they pick up three points. But just mm. when they play at home, they, they, they seem to stink the place out. And I'm not sure what it is. Even last night as well, I watched them and I just... I see Adama Traore running rings around players and there's plenty of space and time on the ball for Wolves players and they're getting the ball in the box and it's mm. bouncing around, they're getting chances. And that wasn't Liverpool of last season or even the season before. You would watch them and say, I don't know how you beat this team. I'm not sure what you do. They've got everything off, off to a tease, you know. So they're a very different team this season. I, I imagine they'll come back at some point because the manager is, is unbelievable in all that he does. Um, 
But to me, I, I, they just don't look right this season. And I, I would, my guess is that their season is probably over. Do you know what, for me, what it was, was obviously they lost that home record to Burnley. That was all the way back on the 21st of January, which feels like ages ago now. But to go in the league unbeaten for nearly four seasons at home is an unbelievable achievement. When they lost to Burnley, they could have done with winning their next game at home, which was uh, against Brighton. Um, They lost the FA Cup the game after. They beat Tottenham. They beat West Ham. Two great results for them at the time. But then their next home game at Anfield, they lost 1-0 to Brighton. And I think that is where the problems started to creep in. They then lost to Man City at home. Then they had their next home game was the Merseyside derby against Everton. And by that point, you lose two games to two big rivals, Man City and Everton. I think then the sort of hoodoo begins to creep in. So I think actually if you go back to the 3rd of February and that game at home at Anfield against Brighton where they lost 1-0, I think if they had won that game, maybe we might not have seen them go on as low a trajectory as they've been on in terms of home performances. But yeah, away from home, they've certainly been a lot better. Uh, Their last two victories in the Premier League have come away from home at Sheffield United a couple of weeks ago and of course at Wolves last night. Their next game, not till the 4th of April, but also away from home, they take on Arsenal. So it'd be interesting to see how they get on. By that point, Marley, Diogo Jota might be uh, even more fit than he is now. Obviously, we've seen him return to the fold recently, scored against his former club last night. No celebration, as you probably expect, from Diogo Jota. How much value could he be to Liverpool now that he's back? Uh, massive. I think um, <clears throat> he proved last night that you know he's, he's still got the... I think he's got more goal-scoring instinct than someone like Firmino. Um and that's probably backed up by the amount of goals he scored before the season and the fact that Firmino hasn't scored that many since even since Jota's been away for the last three or four months. So he um he's certainly someone that they needed, um, especially at this time in the season when, you know, they're not not scoring many goals. For him to come back is is massive for them and you seen him last night dropping deep all over the pitch, picking the ball up and not being scared to go and dictate a game and grab grab the game by the scruff of the neck type of thing. Um and you know his goal wasn't great. I think the goalkeeper should have saved it, but it it goes in, and that's that's all Liverpool need right now. Then they're not bothered about playing beautiful uh, football where they can you know pull teams apart and walk the ball into the net. They just need it in. They need results um, because they haven't got any in recent re- recent weeks. And you know losing all the home games that's that's the next next um, task for them because they've been going alright in Europe two pretty comfortable games against Leipzig where they created a lot of chances and didn't put in, put enough away to be honest but um you know the um they they're doing they're, they're showing signs of improvement i think Nat Phillips and Kabak have had a few games together at the back as well and that's a, that's a, a positive for them um and obviously you've got Jota and i think i think Jota is is the man to um, to reinject something into that front three where you know they can go on and get a few results now and try and um, get crash that top uh, top six definitely maybe even the top four if other results go their way. Yeah, I think Nat Phillips heads cannonballs um, in his spare time to try and <laughs> you know practice defending for Liverpool. He's certainly got that element to his game, hasn't he? I think Marley as well with the finish that Diogo Jota uh, pulled off last night. The kind of the shot that was kind of coming across him and just the, the angle of, of the strike and you know almost putting a little bit of swerve on the board to make sure that it kind of went away from Patricio and into the corner, even though there was arguments that the goalkeeper should have done a little bit better in the punditry. Uh, I saw Sadio Mane miss a couple of chances last night. He had a really good free header, diving header from inside the penalty area, which was a good opportunity. 
And I just think that maybe that's what it takes. Someone like Jota, who's got a little bit more confidence than those other forward players, who is able to kind of finish something out of nothing or finish more difficult chances. Because if that's what it takes to get you kind of the confidence back up again and back performing again, then you take it, obviously. Yeah, you, yeah you, you're probably right. I think when... I think going into games, like when you've got to score that first goal, I think it can be psychologically kind of different when you've got a chance because you're thinking, I've got to score this because it's nil-nil and we'll go one-nil up um, if I score this. And in some cases, that can make you a bit more nervous and make you snatch at a chance a bit, for example. Um, but if Jota's coming in with, with that... Um, that way of just you know nicking a goal and scoring a goal, then it I think it's easier to score the second goal than the first goal because everyone relaxes a little bit, and everyone goes right. Well, you know, I don't need to score this. It, you know the the world isn't riding on it type of thing, um, and they go and uh, they relax a little bit, and then the goals will start to flow maybe. But we'll see that in the next few weeks if if Salah and Mane start scoring again, um, then we'll see um, we'll see if that has had the impact that that I just mentioned, but. I think Jota's Jota's impact is is massive and probably I think it's probably bigger than ever anyone expected to be honest. Because when he went to uh, Liverpool, it was a bit of a surprise. I think the whole move happened in about two days, which was uh, yeah. which was a whirlwind really. Um, and it was a big fee as well for a guy who only got six six or seven goals last season. So um, he wasn't really in the team either, was he? At the time that they sold him to Liverpool, he wasn't really no, he was on yeah. the fringes more than anything. Yeah, they were trying to get Neto and and Traore to support Jimenez a little bit more, which is what they've obviously done this season. And um, obviously, it hasn't quite worked with Jimenez's injury. But yeah, it's probably um, you're probably right. I think as well, forty million quid seemed like a lot of money for a guy who wasn't playing and. Only scoring a few goals, but it's been justified with, with his impact. I think if he'd have stayed fit, it'd be interesting to see if if where they would be if if he had stayed fit. Obviously, we'll never know, but his impact is uh, is way bigger than what we uh, originally thought it would be. So, if then getting mm. back is an important player, especially for the uh, the Champions League last uh, last eight that they're in now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was Diogo Jota's goal against this former club which settled the points in Liverpool's favour last night in the Premier League. Wolves nil, Liverpool won at Molyneux. Big result for Liverpool. They'll still feel that the top four is on the cards, even though Jurgen Klopp has said that it probably isn't. I don't think it is. But that win moves them up to sixth now. uh, And the gap between themselves and Chelsea in fourth is cut to just five points. And heading into the international break, definitely the momentum boost, perhaps, that Liverpool need. And maybe they can come back off the back of that international break, rejuvenated and ready to give it a second shot in terms of trying to get into the top four as for Wolves the defeat leaves them 13th on 35 points but certainly I think they're safe from relegation nothing really for them to worry about and it's just a case of making their way now to the end of the season and Santa will be hoping hopefully with no more injuries well Marley you mentioned the Champions League quarterfinals there's still a last 16 second leg tie to be played by Manchester City they take on Borussia Mönchengladbach tonight in Hungary we'll talk about it next here on Football Social Daily Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. 
Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League show from Sports Social. New episodes right throughout the season every single day. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss one. Also, Sports Social is the home of the UK's only dedicated podcast network. No matter what the sport, no matter what the show, you can check out the website sport-social.co.uk and find some of the latest sports podcasts in our roster. If you're a sports podcast presenter, host, creator, um, why not get in touch with us? we can provide you a platform zero hosting fees and a chance for you to grow your show as well go and check out the website as i say sport-social.co.uk time to talk champions league now manchester city the only premier league side in action tonight they take on borussia mönchengladbach in the home leg of their last 16 tie against the Bundesliga club takes place in the Pushkash Arena in Budapest. City lead the tie 2-0 on aggregate. It should be job done for them really, Matt, I think, with two away goals, even though it was played in a neutral venue. Do you think we'll see Mönchengladbach put up much of a fight today against Manchester City? It seems hard to see any way of them getting through from this point. I don't see it. I really don't see it at all. And I hate... To, I hate to approach games like this because you know you, you want to watch City and Mönchengladbach tonight, a bit of Champions League football, but there's nothing there's nothing to play for. I, ha- I had a look prior to the to coming on the show. Mönchengladbach have not won in the last eight games. They're in tenth in the Bundesliga. Mm. It's kind of like a an out of form Crystal Palace trying to come back from two 0 <laughs> down <laughs> against Manchester City, who you know uh, what is it twenty three games and just the one defeat to to yeah. United. So. Uh, I hate with a passion these these formality two uh, two leg games you have to play where the second leg you know City are through, but you, we have to play it. You've got to watch it, so on and so forth. It will be played. I'm sure City will probably win three or four nil and they'll go through comfortably. Uh, I don't think we're going to see any surprises. If we do, hey, it'll be really interesting. That's why you actually watch it just in case because we're really all lunatics and we just hoping and hoping on that small small percentage <laughs> of a chance that you might see something drastic, but. I wouldn't expect anything interesting to be happening in that game tonight because Munch and Gladbach are in horrible form. Yeah, I think their manager, Marco Rose, announced not long ago that he is joining Borussia Dortmund in the summer. Um, Mm. And there is a little bit of a rivalry there between Munch and Gladbach and Dortmund. They're not too far away from each other in West Germany. So I'm sure that definitely ruffled a few feathers at Munch and Gladbach. But still, it seems interesting that after he announced it, that is when Munch and Gladbach's form has taken a real turn for the worst. So... Um, yeah, I don't think that they will be putting up too much of a fight. At least they'll give it a go tonight against Man City. And as you say, it's the Champions League, so you never know. Um, but in terms of percentages and chances of winning games, according to a football data calculator, whatever that means, Marley, City have a 31% chance of winning the Champions League from here. 2-0 up in the second leg of the last 16. They're heading for the quarterfinals. As good as they've been this season, though, and despite that 31% chance, which I think is a pretty good chance for them to do it, if these data and calculations are correct, Pep says and has said in his pre-match press conference that a quadruple this season is off the cards. Alexander Zinchenko suggested it when he was speaking to the press. Do you think the quadruple all depends on who City get in the quarterfinals? Because it's going to be tough for them no matter what. It looks like they're going to win the Premier League. They've got Everton in the FA Cup. They've also got um, a cup final against Spurs to contest at the end of April. So, you know, it's looking good for them in terms of a quadruple. I guess Pep doesn't want to get too far ahead of himself. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's typical, you know, players saying, why, don't, why can't we win everything? Um, and the manager going, mm, well, let's, let's not put that pressure on ourselves because it can only go wrong that um, you're never going to get the... 
you're never going to get the manager saying, yeah, we're going to win all four things because <laughs> you can only look stupid. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, it, I think it does come down to who Man City get because, I mean, for the last three three years maybe, I've I've gone into a Champions League thinking I can't see anyone beating Man City, um, and in the in the three years, you know, they've had that dodgy decision against um, Spurs in that that amazing game um, at the Etihad when was mm. it um, Lorente scored with his arm and you know it didn't get disallowed and Sterling's goal got disallowed five minutes later or whatever it was and that went against him and then last year they they overcomplicated things against Leon and and that that didn't go well either um but still I thought they were one of the best uh, sides in that competition and as well this year you see the the sort of scene around Europe is not not something that where you think there's going to be you know like Juventus for example they're out they were never as good this season they were way off what they have been in recent years I think Real Madrid and Barcelona are both in a bit of a, a mini crisis obviously Barcelona went out to PSG mm. Real Madrid um, have a tough game tonight against Atalanta as well and um, they only just scraped a win in the first leg because Atalanta were down to 10 men for most of the game um, you look around Europe and you only really see Bayern and possibly PSG um, who can can stop Man City in my opinion if if they can avoid Bayern um, let's say Bayern get PSG in the next round I mean there you go like if City got Porto for example I know Porto are probably going to get a lot of stick in the next few weeks for um, being the team that everybody wants to play but when it comes down to it you would rather play Porto in a quarterfinal than, than Bayern Munich so there is substance to, to that um, to what people are saying Um so yeah, if I mean, if the two big lads, other than City, you know, Bayern and PSG, if they can they can avoid, um, if they can get drawn together in the next round, then it opens up again for Man City, and I don't see, I don't see anybody beating them. I don't see Spurs beating them in the League Cup. Um, I don't see Everton beating them in the FA Cup. Um, we'll see how the FA Cup draw goes for the semis in the final. Should they get there? Um, but yeah. I mean, they've won the Premier League already, and they've got the experience of winning winning big trophies mm. like that, and retaining them, and going again, and you know, you know, getting over the line and that type of thing. And they've they've come close in the Champions League, so they'll use that experience um, to to spur them on this year. But again, I can't see the way they're playing. Mm. If they can integrate a striker into that team, you know, and and get Aguero back to even seventy five percent of his best, I think they've got a massive, massive chance in the Champions League. Yeah, I think Aguero's still got a huge part to play this season for Manchester City. I think I've said it before on the show, especially in the Champions League. I think if they can keep him fit for the quarterfinals and beyond, then yeah. I think Manchester City I mean, have got that little bit of extra something, haven't they? Even if he scores like you know two goals between now and the end of the season, <laughs> Aguero is one of them players where he's got the timing and he knows he knows oh, yeah. when to score type of thing. You know what I mean? You think of the ninety-three mm. twenty. You think of all the important goals he scored. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he popped up in the 91st minute in a Champions League semi-final against Bayern Munich at the Allianz and just, you know, <laughs> headed one in from a yard out and put Man City into the final. It's, it's He's got that type of pedigree and not mm-hmm. all players do and I think he definitely does. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I can see him playing a massive role between now and the end of the season for City. I guess, Matt, the kind of key takeaway is it's going to be tough no matter what for City. If you want to win the Champions League, as Marley's rightly pointed out, you've got to beat the best. And although some of the best teams in Europe are out of the competition, as he's already said, I mean, the likes of Bayern are still in. And, you know, you, you can only beat who's in front of you. And there's a lot of talk about Manchester City always getting easy draws and all the rest of it. 
well, you know, let's just say they do get drawn against someone like Bayern Munich in the next couple of rounds of the Champions League. You, you can't just drift through those games like you can against this one against Mönchengladbach. The chances are against the better teams, it's going to be a tougher test and um, you've got to beat the best to be the champions. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to... Uh, I mean, the, the whole quadruple thing to win on that is that they're not going to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even... To me, it's not even really a, like a, a, a newsflash. It's not... Oh, City won't win the Champions League, the, the quadruple this year. Well, that's unusual. It's never been done before. It's an achievement that, you know, the treble has been won once before in English football history. And it's never even, no one's even really come that close before or af- nor after, you know. So every year, for some reason, this thing comes out about like Guardiola at some point has to announce, when, I don't think we're going to win the quadruple. It's like, is that mm. really a, does Ralph Hasenhutl come out and say, I don't think we're going to win the Premier League or... Should I do a press conference and say I don't think I'm going to go on a date with Margot Robbie? You know, I, 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 I don't know <laughs> where it comes from. Never give up on your dreams, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I really, I don't know where it comes from every year. They're close. They are close. The, the Premier League is done and, you know, they're, they're, they're still in all the competitions. But something will fall apart and they just won't do it. It's the, the same, I think, really, they just go through the rumour mill with City because they, they have been so good and it does get a bit boring. They yeah, there's go, nothing else know, to say, is there? <laughs> yeah, they just say, well, you know, have we done the Messi to City rumour? Yeah, we did that last week. And have we done Guardiola's leaving in the season rumour? Yeah, we did that the week before. All right, it's quadruple week then. You know, I don't really know where it comes from, but they, they won't win the quadruple. They're a very, very, very good team. Maybe the best in Europe, but something will fall apart and they probably just won't do it, you know? Well, talking of rumour season, what about this rumour that's been uh, rumbling around on Manchester City Twitter about a bust-up between Pep Guardiola and Raheem Sterling? And Raheem Sterling's actually come out on Twitter and rubbished the claims of a dispute between himself and the manager after he was, of course, rested at the weekend for the Premier League game against Fulham. Rumours started from this Twitter account, Matt, claiming to be in the know, uh, as you often see. Apparently, someone who claimed to live close to the Manchester City training ground said that he was made aware of a bust-up between Sterling and and Guardiola. We said on the podcast before that you see things at the training ground, um, like fights and to try and keep 25 you know, competitive men from getting at each other's throats from time to time is near enough an impossible task. There's going to be fights, there's going to be fallings out, there's going to be bust-ups and stuff like that. Obviously, Twitter can accelerate that sort of news and turn something which is merely an ember into a roaring inferno with, a, with as far as rumours are concerned. It's obviously a great news source, Twitter, for the majority of the time. Most breaking news now is found through social media rather than the general outlets. But the whole event here of Pep and Sterling having a, an argument and a falling out seems to have sparked a bit of debate from City fans on the platform saying that it's detrimental to the team, someone posting this on social media and, it, and it's affecting Manchester City. What's your take on the whole situation? Because it does feel very much like a rumour and Sterling's come out and debunked it. Yeah, I think it's it's probably exactly that. And and as far as, you know, training ground bust-ups or arguments or things like that, I'll bet you it happens way more than we even know because they're just competitive people and it, it's all yeah. in good spirit, but... Mm. The reason why you don't find out about it is because there's nothing in it, but then someone eventually sees it and thinks, oh, that must, you know, it must all be falling apart. The wheels are coming off at City. That's probably not the case. It may have happened. It may not have done. Those in the no Twitter accounts that you were talking about, it's the equivalent of saying, you know, trust me, mate, at the end of a sentence. It's like, oh, you know, City are signing Messi. Trust me, mate, they're doing it. You know, it, that's that's mm-hmm. what it's the equivalent of, really. It doesn't it? They, they just sort of spout useless rumours for a bit of, for a few likes or retweets or whatever. But I'll bet those those training ground arguments and things happen 10 times more than we would imagine just because, as you say now, they're com- it's 25, 30 
competitive players all you know going at it every single day yeah uh trying to be better than the other one trying to beat him and he's trying to beat him yeah, and so it's on like and so forth. any workplace matt i mean you go into an office with 25 people the chances are you're not going to get on with everyone there's going to be one or two people that you don't see eye to eye with and that's just natural of being a human being let alone in a competitive environment like a football club yeah exactly and, and then as far as the as the twitter rumors and stuff are concerned you, you have to eventually through using the social media platforms for as long as as, as we have you get that filter in your in your own brain where you yeah. just have to you, you have to just section that part out you read it you see it you ignore it and you move on and you you kind of get a natural feel for for what has some some sort of truth or realness to it and what doesn't and things like that that it's just people looking for attention probably yeah well it wouldn't surprise me and that's kind of what's annoyed a few city fans on twitter marley the fact that a lot of people suggesting that these in the know accounts are are kind of using Twitter for attention and all the rest of it and stuff like that. The fact that it's even made its way to a press conference and the fact that the question was even needing to be debunked by Raheem Sterling, who came out and tweeted that it just completely wasn't true. The fact that a journalist had to ask Pep Guardiola to kind of dispel the rumours in a press conference, it just goes to show the impact that social media can have. And we've spoken about it so many times on the show in terms of players getting DM'd from purported supporters um getting abused in their comment sections and stuff like that um it is it's an interesting situation that we find ourselves in with social media at the moment it feels like we're in a bit of a cross crossroads with it because obviously it can be a very useful tool but it can also be a very dangerous one yeah i mean obviously as, as we know you know it, it's had a massive impact in in the last sort of five years ten years whatever you want to go back to but it's yeah, it's it's got its it's got its massive pitfalls, hasn't it? I think it's great for 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 fans to sort of um, portray their feelings, but you do get pretenders like like this, and you know when it does get out of hand, when you when you claim to be in the know, you can't, and you set up that account saying you know Sterling's had an argument with the tea lady and he's ended up two footing her in the canteen and stuff like that. And then it's almost <laughs> like you've, you've not got any, you can say it and then it's, then it's somebody's job to debunk it rather than your job to prove it in the first place. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's easy to say and then just sit behind your, your little faceless account. And it's another one of the pitfalls of social media. We see it with um, people, um, people getting abused and people, you know, having fake uh, accounts and usernames and not having to um to provide anything to to prove that they're real and you know when you've got you've got information for the club anyone can start a rumor you know uh, i i could start a a twitter account this week saying steve bruce has had 35 cabbages delivered to his front door in newcastle because the fans want him out and somebody had retweeted because somebody had just believed what they, they read on the internet because <laughs> that's just how it how it goes and people have to be more clever about what they read on the internet because you know oh, pro- listen i've been done a couple of times i'll, yeah, I'll admit i've yeah, been done a few times yeah, everyone gets done at some point but you know you've, you've got you've got to switch on to it at some point haven't you do you know it's i mean these things they you do have to sort of get a feel for what is real and what is not but people have also been falling for things like this since the beginning of the time i remember once i was like 11 12 <laughs> years old it was april fool's day and i didn't realize that national newspapers could write it unreal things for April Fool's Day as a joke and it said in the League Cup they're going to start having 20 foot goals that are 15 foot high and I said to my dad dad what's going on? you can't do this what 
and I completely <laughs> believed it. And, it, and it, he, he let me believe it for the whole day. And the next day, he was like, "That's that's that, that, that was an April Fool's joke." So, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> This stuff has been happening for years. Matt sounds like a person who's won the Nigerian lottery a few times as well. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, Portsmouth and Newcastle could do with some of those 20-foot goals, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't think Manchester City will need them tonight in their second leg, last 16 Champions League tie against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Right, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Marley. Thank Cheers, you, mate. guys. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. A new show tomorrow and the day after and every single day for the rest of the season. We are the only top flight focused podcast that does that for you. So hopefully you hit subscribe and we'll catch you again on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.